You're listening to All Things Video, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Shane Barker, co-founder and CEO of Content Solutions. Shane, welcome to the show. Hey, James. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about this today. Likewise. So glad we get to connect and have a little chat. And I, I, you know, I wanted to start off by just taking us back in time, right? How did you get your start originally in digital marketing? Yeah, wow. I don't, I think it was like in the fifties or something. It, it was a long time ago. I'm, I'm an old soul when it comes to digital marketing. So I've been in the digital space for probably about 25 years or marketing for 25 years and in the digital space, once they called it the digital space. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time. I've done websites and SEO before it was called SEO. And once again, I, I do sound like I'm a hundred years old when I explain this to, you know, to your audience, but um, yeah, been in the space a long, long time, man. I, I currently am an instructor at UCLA. I teach a personal branding and how to be an influencer course. I've owned a bar in Chico, California. Um, I owned a real estate company that we got from you know zero to twenty-five million in two years. So I, I I've been around the block a few times, man. And then I've had you know I could tell you about all the successes, and we could we don't have enough time to talk about all the failures, right? That that got me to that point. I don't want to make sure. it seem like it's been one hundred percent success, and I've had no failures. I mean, the failures are the foundation of of you know where it's kind of taking me today but of course. yeah i yeah yeah good stuff man i like i said I, i've been around for a little while awesome so i want to talk a little bit about some of those early experiences right i saw on linkedin right you were the cmo of madeira later vp digital marketing for Camir. what did you take away from some of those early experiences yeah i mean as i touched on earlier i mean everything's foundational right i mean there was so many things like uh Madeira, what we did there is it was actually an Actually, it was well. It's kind of funny. Early on, it was an app that we wanted to be able to be able to people to be able to buy stuff off of Instagram. Now you have Instagram shopping, and there's other platforms that have done it successfully. We were way before our time in the fact that we wanted to, you know, have people, you know, take a a picture of their outfit, and then you can go in and say, "Hey, I got this from Nordstrom. I got this from here." It'd be affiliate uh, link driven, so that people could get some kind of affiliate commission for you know, having an engaged audience and being able to post some, some, you know, an outfit that they wore there. So once again, a little, we were a few years before our time in regards to, you know, why we put that together, but um, good things happened there. And then, you know, I've, you know, with, um, with Kamir, Kamir was a uh, inspirational, it was a Kim Box, who was a, one of, a VP over at HP for a long time um, and brought me on, pulled me into the team. And, and I was helpful. Her project was really motivational speaking or motivational not speaking, but motivationally based, where they would have people come on there and get motivation for their day. Kim was a, a motivation in her sense. She was, you know, uh, she was six years old and was running triathlons and doing wow. kind of crazy stuff. Incredible. Yeah, she was she was something else. Like I, I'm active, but I was like next to her. I'm next to a six year old woman, and I'm like, God, I just want to be like you when I get older. You That's know, right. and it's um, yeah. So that was, you know, once again, everything was, you know, just because I have such a, an interesting history, because I, you know, I also flip, fixed and flipped real estate as well. So it all kind of plays into this, this thing of what we have today of, you know, me offering consulting for businesses and being able to help them through, you know, COVID and during hard times. Definitely. Right. So in 2017, you co-founded your business content solutions, a creative agency focused on digital strategy and content marketing. So what inspired you to launch that business? Yeah. So we've always had shanebroker.com, which has been um, where we've done a lot of, you know, where I've done almost all of my consulting we kind of realized that we kind of needed a digital agency um, to be a part of that. So what we did is we built content solutions. Um, we also have atrock.com is another one that we built. And really the idea of that was to do managed services before it was just consulting and, and helping clients. And we said, hey, we also, there's the other side of this where people are saying, hey, we want to work with you. Like, how can we work with you on a, on a I guess, a more intimate level? Um, and we said, wait, so we opened the agency. Very cool. 
So it strikes me that, you know, it feels like you've had this long entrepreneurial streak, but had you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, since day one, almost. I mean, I, I was, you know, my mom always jokes around about stories of, um, you know, me going as a kid and, and going and, you know, like, I remember like I started a lemonade stand. Um, and that was like one of the things that I was just so I, I was amazed that I could go buy this little packet of sugar and lemon or whatever they what, it wasn't even lemon, but let's say it was lemon. And, you know, and we, what we do is we go and we sell this thing and people were paying me whatever it was, 25 cents a cup. And, and I was like, and plus, you know, they thought it was cute that this little kid was out here being an entrepreneur. So people would actually pay a lot more for it. So I was just, that, that shocked me. And then the other thing that kind of blew me away is that we went to, I'm in California and we were in Oregon and um, we were camping. And I remember there was, <laughs> there was some people that there was like these cans and I, and somebody was, we went to one of the campgrounds, we were getting ice cream or something. And somebody was like recycling these cans and I asked my mom like, Hey, like, what are they doing? And, and it's like, Oh, you know, you can grab cans and get money. And it like blew my mind. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you mean like the cans that are like in the trash can, like at, at the, you know, like at the, the campground and my mom goes, yeah. So I lost my mind and went back to the campground <laughs> and started collecting cans. No, and it was like embarrassing. My mom I was like, what are you doing collecting cans? And I'm like, it's money. Like, yeah. what, what do you, why would you not be collecting? Why are uh -huh. you not collecting cans? That's my yeah. question for you. Yeah. And so I went and I started grabbing these cans. And once again, much to a little bit of my mother's dismay, because then we looked like the homeless you sure. know, people hanging out in the campground, but I didn't care. And so I went and my mom was a nurse. So I think she might've given me gloves to be, you know, to be good, you know, nice. dig into a trash can. But yeah, I went and I went and cashed that thing in and made whatever a dollar or $2. And it, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is, there's, there's ways to make money out here. And I was young. I was, and then we would also go and I also remember, do you guys remember the uh, the newspaper stands that they used to have? Uh -huh, I used sure. to always go up and put my finger in there and try to see if there was change in there because people would leave their change and forget about it, you know, change from a dollar. Yeah. So I've always been very infatuated with money. Like it's always been like, how can I make it? And when I was younger, it was younger as in, you know, I'll call myself Shane 3.0. So Shane 1.0 is very much, hey, I want to be a millionaire. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Shane 3.0 isn't, I'm not as, you know, money is money, but I yeah. have different visions, different things that I work on now. But when I was young, it was, I was money motivated for sure. Yeah, definitely. Wow. And, and what was the hardest part of being a first-time founder, whether it was, you know, Shane Barker Consulting, whether it's, you know, the creative agency or the real estate stuff that you've done, you know, what was the hardest part about the journey? Yeah, I think the hardest part is, you know, there's a number of things, but I think finding clients, right, is always, as always the challenge in the beginning was like, hey, new person, didn't have any kind of thought leadership, wasn't writing for the sites that I write for now, didn't have any background. And so I said, you know, except I had my own businesses. So there was some history there. Um, and what I, that was the hard part is like going and telling people, Hey, like, I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. And they're like, yeah, but you look young and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate you telling me I look young, but I do have a little bit of, you know, history here. And so that was always the hardest part is like trying to get people to convince me as the young guy on the block to come and, and help them with this thing called digital marketing. And the other side of it was, is, you know, even now more and more people are obviously becoming doing more digital marketing, but back then digital marketing was like this, what do you mean digital marketing? Like this was this weird thing called the internet and people go on this thing called Google and they put in these things called words. And, you know, I mean, there was no, like, I was trying to pitch things really early and people were like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? You're, you want to get me at the top when people are looking things up. I don't really get what the premise of this is. Um, and so it, it took a lot of education, you know, for me to, and that's why, that's initially why I started the blog at shanebarker.com was like, I'm going to educate people. I need to educate people on what I'm seeing and what's going on in the industry. Um, and just offer free value. I mean, that was the goal is to say, hey, I'll show you what we've got going on and kind of educate people. Yeah. 
And that's been a big shift, right? I mean, philosophically, in terms of marketing strategy, you know, a generation or two ago, you wouldn't share your best practices, right? The secret sauce, right? It's all about keep this, you know, uh, use it to your advantage and exploit it as much as possible. And now the philosophy is, you know, be as open as you can. Use that as a value creation, share the secrets, you know, that, that brings people in. It's all about building, you know, that content and marketing funnel. But that's kind of a new concept. It, it was, man. When they, I started the blog, I think probably nine years ago, and people were looking at me like, you must be on drugs or something or been drinking too much. And I'm not saying that I didn't drink too much. Let me let me take that back. I was probably pretty drunk. No, I'm just kidding. I, I wasn't. But no, you know, it was like all joking aside, it was something that people were like, why are you telling everybody? Why are you telling the world what you're doing and what's yeah. working, what's not working? Like it was, it really kind of like I had marketers that reach out to me like, why are you, why are you doing this? Like, what do yeah, you, you're blowing up the spot, man. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. It, it really was. It totally yeah. was. Is they were like, hey, this is awesome. You want to give up? Why don't you just tell us what you're doing? Or why don't we just share things in an inner group? And I was like, yeah. yeah, because there's a lot of people that need help. And I was always saying, you know, my thing was if I'm learning something, I feel like I'm doing a disservice if I'm not educating people on what I'm doing and whether it's working or not. Yeah. And one of the, the big areas that you've been uh, focused on, right, in that digital evolution is influencer marketing, right? You've worked in influencer marketing now for close to a decade. And obviously that term has changed and evolved over time. So I'm curious over that lifespan, what are the biggest changes that you've observed in the influencer marketing space? Yeah, I think, you know, in the influencer space, because when I started off, it was, I mean, it was the beginning. Once, you know, it wasn't even called influencer marketing. It was just, you know, in, you know people that had, a good social media following and had an audience there. So what I've, what I've realized and what's been nice to see over the years is that, that I think brands and influencers are getting more used to working together. Um, in the beginning, there was this, this thing of, hey, I'm doing influencer marketing and brands were pitching influencers and influencers were asking for crazy pricing and brands were offering crazy amounts they were paying, but there really wasn't a lot of reporting. There really wasn't a lot of education on is this working or not working. Um, I mean, I will tell you that most of them were working because influencer marketing was a new thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing influencer marketing, there was still this thing of, I've heard of it. I think it's good, you know, but yeah, we were getting some money that's coming in from it. So it must be going well, but there was no, like, how do we know if we're working with 20 influencers, which of the 10 influencers are moving the needle and bring in money and which 10 aren't. And so there was that in the beginning, people didn't care necessarily because you're like, I'm spending 20 grand and I'm making 40 grand. That's awesome. You can go to the higher ups and say, Hey, good things are happening. But for me as a marketer, it used to drive me nuts because I'm like, well, that's awesome. But I know that there's 10 people that are doing well and there's 10 people that aren't. And why is that? You know, we didn't have, and like when I started doing this, once again, I sound super old when I explain this, there wasn't tons of softwares, right? There wasn't all these softwares you can go and look at influencers and look at their demographics and look at past campaigns they've done. I mean, I, that's all within the last probably five years, six years. And so in the beginning, it was like an eyeball test. Like I would stare at a profile and go and look at it and I would say, yeah, I think they're going to be a good influencer. And they would say, why do you think that is? And I would tell them the 10 factors in my head that I, the reason why I thought that, but we didn't have, you know, analytics. I mean, now you have, you know, Hype Auditor and you have all these programs. You can go and pull information on somebody and find out, you know, their brand affinity and who they've worked with and how many times they've mentioned things, other people that like their content, similar mm -hmm. influencers that are like them. There's a lot of information out there. Um, which is awesome. It helps yeah. the, the brands and consumers to be able to be more educated on making good decisions. That's exactly why we got into that business, right? I mean, I, I was one of the dinosaurs running the campaigns in the old days with screenshots and spreadsheets and eyeballing stuff and saying, oh, does this look right? Or how do we figure this out? And it's just so much work that we said, we got to start building some tools around that. And you know, that was the inspiration behind Paladin. It's like, well, obviously we're not the only ones banging our heads against this wall. And clearly the influencer space has transformed in the whatever five, six years since, as you mentioned. 
But there's Absolutely. a couple other things that have struck me about the changes, right? One of the, the big things is early on as a creator, right? As a personality on a platform like YouTube or Instagram, it was kind of viewed as selling out, right? To do branded content, right? And, and the notion around that has changed so much. Now there's this idea of kind of online patronage and, and fans are more understanding. It's, it's just kind of welcome and accepted that, you know, people create content and this is their job. It's how they make a living and therefore, you know, I'm happy to watch an ad or I'm happy to see that they've got a branded integration and I'll support that company because they're a trusted source and I'm you know, interested maybe in this product. Uh, but that was a pretty fundamental shift, right? That was a pretty significant change. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, because it was a, a situation where if you're doing, you know, A, people were doing, you know, branded content, but just weren't saying that it was branded. They weren't telling anybody that, that, that what they were doing in the FTC obviously didn't like that and, and wanted to put, you know, some regulations in place to, to stop that. But yeah, I mean, it, now it's now people don't really necessarily want to be called influencers. They want to be called creative content creators, right? Depending on what you create. So, um, and I love that. I love the fact that they have their own space and we have, you know, there's OnlyFans and there's Patreon and there's all kinds of these softwares that make it um, so that you can go and you can create your craft and you don't have to go and charge, you know, $10,000. You can charge 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month and you're getting some kind of information, some value trade there. Um, and I love that. I think that's that's that shows that, you know, that way people, I mean, what I love about it is you don't have to have 10,000 people on one of these accounts to become, you know, an influencer or make it a full-time career. Um, and that's what I think is, is kind of changed. Before it was like, hey, this is kind of a side gig. I'm taking pictures on the weekend. I'm doing some video work. And then all of a sudden it's this thing of like, hey, wait a second, maybe I can make a career doing this. And I mean, that's, you know, with the, the curriculum I created with Amanda down in UCLA is exactly that. Like we really were, you know, giving in LA another, you know, all the kids out there that told their parents they were going to become famous and, th and they were actually working as a waiter in a restaurant now have two opportunities. They can either be an actor or they can be a content creator. So we're just keeping the dreams alive in LA. That's, that's That was the goal out there. I love it, man. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the work that you do as an instructor at UCLA. And, and obviously, yeah, it's a dream for a lot of people to build a career focused on their creative passions. And it's amazing that now through technology, all these social platforms, you can facilitate that, right? The barriers have come down. There's not as many gatekeepers and the monetization opportunities for creators have fundamentally changed, right? That you don't just have a reliance on passive advertising anymore. There's of course brand deals too, when you get to a certain scale, but you've got, you know, tipping, right? For live streaming platforms like YouTube and now, you know, you, or excuse me, like, like Twitch and then YouTube's rolling out applause. Um, you've got uh, the, the patronage models and the, the fan support models through Patreon and even some direct platform uh, options for like Twitter launching super follows. So, you know, the, the monetization potential for creators has expanded and diversified so much in the, in the last few years than it did in the early days. How do you uh, speak about that or, or what are the things that you're teaching, you know, the students in your, your courses? Yeah, I mean, really in the course that we created, it's really for me, it was less about, hey, being an influencer and, you know, getting a pink poodle and getting your private jet and more about building a personal brand, like and figuring out what you want to do, right? What kind of content you want to create, what kind of brands you want to work with and how to be, to be able to reach out to those brands and how to really put a program together, you know, some kind of a campaign and, and reporting and stuff. So the goal of it was, you know, we, we call it an influencer course and it, it was, but it's really was how to build your personal brand. Like, how do you put something together and, and how do you put together a successful campaign? Mm -hmm. um, because most brands weren't used to that. They were used to some kind of content being created, um, something being posted and having no way of really knowing any kind of attribution, which can be great for an influencer that doesn't know what they're doing and, you know, doesn't really have a great engaged audience, but for people that do and, and, and how to build that from the foundation from the beginning, 
to be able to show you have an engaged audience and educate the brand on why they should work with you, not only short-term, but long-term, that's really what we were looking to build there. So, you know, now with all these apps where you can get tipped and, you know, you can get paid for your content, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's just more ways to monetize. The only downside is then you have to figure out, as always, you have to figure out which way, where am I going to go after, right? Is it going to be the tip model? Is it going to be, hey, is it going to be a membership based? Is it going to be, um, which is great. That's a great problem to have. You know, but back in the day, there wasn't five, six different ways you could monetize something. So, you know, you started off with just sponsorships and you would have brands that would pay you for posts and mm-hmm. um, and that kind of stuff. Now there's a lot, there's a lot deeper relationships between, you know, influencers or content creators and uh, brands. Definitely. I like the idea of focusing on personal branding and, uh, you know, content marketing, thought leadership, because it occurs to me that with the changing nature of work, right, more of a focus on a gig economy, people um, being ambassadors for their business, whether it's, you know, a founder like yourself or myself, um, but even down to employees being kind of advocates for the brand, right, that has kind of shifted that it's, it's a move away from this big corporate entity, right? My grandfather worked for IBM for 30 years that, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. It was all about the company. And now it's about the values that an organization has, right? Companies kind of are expected to have this identity and have a stance on social movements or uh, issues and, and things like that. And then also their leaders are increasingly under the spotlight. And, and part of that has been driven by social platforms and the focus on you know, uh, media and tech leadership, right? The, what is Mark Zuckerberg doing or what is Elon Musk up to, right? So they've become influencers in like the next echelon of celebrity, almost more so than musicians and actors these days, surprisingly. And the same is true in, in other businesses that now employees and, and individuals are at the forefront rather than, you know, the, the just thinking about the business. Yeah, it's been an interesting, you know, change of events. I mean, because there are, once again, you talk about Elon Musk or you know Zuckerberg. It's people want to know what's going on with them, and and they've been able to you know Zuckerberg maybe not as much, but Elon definitely has a thing that he says you know jump, and everybody says how high, right? I mean he's very engaged in regards to hey this stock is going well, this is going well. I mean he's kind of his hand slapped a handful of times, but you know he's very much like hey I'm just going to say what I want to say, you know, and that's and he's an entrepreneur and he has the money to do that and and has successful businesses and has built obviously great teams under each one of those. I mean, there's no way you as an individual or anybody could run that without, you know, building successful teams. And he's done that obviously with PayPal and mm-hmm. um, has done that with, with um, Tesla and what is it, ordinary company or mm-hmm. not ordinary company, something like that. So anyways, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, where in the past it was like, hey, this was just IBM and nobody knew who the CEO of IBM was. They just, that wasn't a deal. And now it's a situation where you're like, Hey, you need to, you know, they want you to be charismatic. They want you to be out there on stage. They want you to be doing these things to show that you're the leader of the company. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren Buffett being a great example, like he's, you know, they've, you know, he's out there. Now he's not on probably social media all the time, but he is doing interviews and he's talking about stuff to show that he's a leader and that and he's the person that you want to follow. Well, he has a pretty good history of picking the right stocks. That's time I check. So that's probably why they follow him. But, you know, it's, it's interesting where it's, you know, I, I do know that you're getting interviewed for certain positions at certain jobs, that that is one of their things is, you know, it's like, hey, can you bring, you know, can you, can you move the needle with your audience? Can you, you know, what do you bring in the table? And it's the same thing with actors. Like I, I've seen that with negotiations we've done with actors contracts, like the social media side of that, like you have, you know, The Rock as an example, The Rock has the own things that he negotiates for his movie, but he's like, hey, if you want me to promote it through my audience, like that's a selling point. Like his, his asking price was, let's say, $10 million. Now it can be 20 to 30 to 50, whatever it is, because it's social following how engaged they are. And they know that's going to move the needle. So it's, it's interesting to see that on how that was never, that wasn't a factor before. Like 10 years ago, nobody was saying like, 
how many people do you have on TikTok and Twitter and, yeah. and, and Instagram? And now it's a factor because guess what? You have an engaged audience. Before your engaged audience was in a movie theater, right? And they would say, how many butts are in seats? And now they're mm-hmm. saying, wow, before, you know, three months before we can have The Rock start talking about his part and start doing this. Mm-hmm. And they have this play into, hey, we're going to launch this date and it can help push sales 5, 10, 15, 20% because of what somebody says. So, you know, it's, that's awesome, but there's also yeah. a lot of, I mean, you know, on the political side of things, it can be scary and not to get into political stuff, but, you know, it, it also can, you know, we've seen some things historically and won't say any names that, mm-hmm. you know, it can get people to do things that maybe they shouldn't be doing potentially. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's good and bad with it. Yeah. The power to reach an audience is uh, incredible. Right. And we've, we've seen that demonstrated over the last year or two uh, very much so. Um, it is fascinating for me, you know, being in LA, right. Seeing how much social media has changed Hollywood. Right. And, and sure you have these mega celebrities who are known to drive box office and so much is changing in Hollywood, right. As you know, we lose traditional film windows as, um, you know, more stuff is moving to streaming, especially now due to COVID. Uh, now, international box office drives uh, more of the gross receipts than domestic, which is totally different than, you know, 10 years ago. So for all these reasons, social has become so much more important. If I'm a mega star like The Rock, um, I don't need to just be in the, you know, US tabloids and, and have fans know who I am. I need people to know me globally. And the best way to do that is through social. And sometimes, you know, as an actor, like you'll have a really busy period, you're promoting new projects, and then you're you're shooting, right? Or you're kind of off the radar, but you kind of need to stay relevant, right? In the accelerated pace of culture and and online activity, the only way to do that effectively is to have that constant contact with your fan base. And, you know, social affords that more authentic and direct communication. Yeah. And it gives a, it, people can tap into somebody's life and know what they've got going on and what they're working on. And that's part of the value of it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I tell influencers that I work with, like, you know, Hey, just so you know, if you're not producing content, if you're not on stage, there's somebody else that will take that stage from you. Right. And that's what you got to think about. It's like the rock, the rock doesn't get a day off. Right. He doesn't like you, I mean, you know, work, 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 work. And the minute that if he took three days off of social media, people would be like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got to keep the pedal press. Now he's an intense dude. You can tell from his workouts and everything that he does that, you know, but there, there is a point I've had worked with plenty of influencers that have just, you know, and I, I just can't do this anymore. Like I'm constantly on, like people don't understand that being an influencer, a content creator is not like the pictures you see in the video, the five second clip of them doing yoga on, on a beach with their beautiful dog and their husband that's got abs. Like that took a while to get that picture, like, or that, that content. It's not a, let me just go take a quick picture and it takes seven minutes. And now I'm out enjoying the rest of my life, you know, my perfect life and my you know, pink helicopter or something like that's just, it, it is work and it does take time. And that's when, one of the things at UCLA is would, you know, talk with the students. It's like, you guys have to figure out how to make your own personal brand. Right. And it's not going to happen overnight. Like you're not like whatever you see, it's going to be work. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. You have a lot of influencers to say, I'm just tired of, you know, putting on this show or talking about my family or my relationships or anything. Like, you know, we have one influencer is like, she, you know, she, she had like, six boyfriends in like six months and she and she was telling everybody about it but the problem is is so then people start to go oh like are you crazy anyways it just you when you're in the public eye yeah you've got to be really careful because it's you're also you're sharing everything i mean think of the kardashians as an example 
right? Like you're, you're putting everything out there. And your private life awesome. is now public news. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody and it's everything, they go public with everything. Anything mm-hmm. you do, you pick your nose, you do, you know, it's like, it doesn't. And so you have to be ready for that. And people, oh, I don't really care, mm-hmm. but there's a point where that will, that will mess with you. I mean, once you, you know, when you can't go anywhere and people are taking pictures and you're, everybody knows everything about your whole family. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, I know that they, you know, they, they were able to be more in control and direct what they, people were able to see for, you know, drama and stuff like that and able to, to build that. But, you know, that's the thing is with that, that, you know, if you're, you can't take days off on social media, I mean, you, you can, but it's just, you, you can start losing your audience at that point. So how do you, you know, you work with influencers, how do you coach them through that? Because, you know, we've obviously creator burnout is a very real phenomenon. Um, you've also got, uh, you know, a number of the challenges around cancel culture and everything that you've ever said or done is now under the microscope because it lives on the internet forever. How do we as a society, uh, get more comfortable with that. And specifically for influencers, how do you help them navigate that? It's simple. I, I just tell them, don't put anything out there that you don't want your future kids to see. And that's really what it comes down to. So if you want to create content and you want to be on OnlyFans and show intimate things, that's, I mean, it's awesome. Like rock on. Like, I'm not here to judge you for that. Like, that's totally cool. But just know that like, don't think that people aren't screenshotting or taking a picture or putting it somewhere and going to repurpose your content and put it somewhere. Like, you know, and if you get big enough, then that should be flattering to you, you know, but it's, you have to realize like you're, you know, if it's, it's hard to, you know, as we always say, it's hard to get the toothpaste back in the, in the, in the tube, right? I mean, it's it's always hard. So that's, that's what you, and I'm saying, I talked to my my son about that and said, Hey, listen, like whatever you want to put out there, but just know that like, like you think that your, your friends and you guys are sending each other stuff and nobody can see it, or somebody isn't doing a screenshot or something like, but it can come out like that's, you know, and we see this with presidencies and stuff like that. Now, not quite as much. I mean, now you'll start seeing more of it because, you know, the presidents that will be, you know, 40 and 50 and 60 that well, had social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. So we'll start seeing this. Hey, John, do you remember this one picture when you were at college and you were over here and you did a beer bong and then you did this? I'm like, yep. no, don't remember that. Actually, I don't. <laughs> I, I was blacked out. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> right. So it's it's a different deal. But you got to, yeah. you know, with cameras and with everything, it's like you have to be ready to you know, for anybody picture or video of you at any time and, and potentially be online and, and, or you put your own content out there and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to not say, okay, I'm okay with my son or daughter seeing these pictures of me. And if you're cool with that, like rock on, not here to judge, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't want my son seeing pictures of me, whatever we would think that Shane, I don't know who would pay for my OnlyFans, but I'd probably have like two people. Um, but I don't, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't see that I wouldn't want my son to be able to one day yeah. potentially see. So as a parent, what are you most excited about for the world that your son is going to grow up in? I think just the opportunity. Uh, you know, I mean, right now with COVID and everything, people are always a little worried about, oh, you know, graduate from college is always so hard. But every year that I've ever had any friends, kids graduate from college, I always go, oh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be this. I think it's the, you know, you have this online, you have this the world where you can sell anything. You know, you can sell courses, you can and, and also the access to information, um, it can be overwhelming, but like you got Udemy, you got all these programs, these things where you can go and, you know, you can, I have courses where you can go tap into my knowledge that I've, that, you know, for the last 10 years and things, and I'm giving you all of the insights and all the things I've learned that's cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm giving you how to deal with something or how to, you know, do something differently or how to make something successful. Like there's huge value in that. You know, when I grew up, once again, to make it sound like I'm old, there was no you know, I didn't, you did the stuff on your own. And I was mm-hmm. using like, you know, get a freelancer.com. Like if there wasn't now it's freelancer.com, there's all kinds of opportunities. So 
if you can, you know, jump on with somebody and if you've got an engaged audience, let's say if you're an influencer and if you got 2000 engaged people, like if they're paying you 10 bucks a month, and that's healthy. That's a healthy little wage, you know, and then you're producing the content, your control, you're, you know, the creative director and can produce things. So there's, there's niches and there's all kinds of interesting ways to make money, which I think is really interesting. A lot of people assume that, Hey, because like my history, like nobody wants to know what I've done or, you know, I can show people how to do this, but nobody really cares. Well, but there is value in that. There's value in what you've learned, the history that you have, and people are willing to pay for that. You just have to build that audience. And so that's what's exciting to me is that it's kind of the world is your oyster. And I hate to use that. It's very cliche, but there's just a lot of opportunity out there. And I think it's, you know, you just got to figure out how you want to, you know, monopolize on it. Absolutely. And what are the things that, you know, maybe you're concerned about or the things that you want to, you know, teach your son about growing up in this world of, of digital possibilities? It, it goes back to just once again, like we talked about, it's like, just, you know, be careful what you put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, you, whatever you put out there is out there. Um, it's very hard. I think it was, I believe it was Axel Rose that paid all kinds of money to try to get all kinds of stuff deleted off the internet, a lot of money. And it didn't, doesn't fully work that way. I mean, no. it does, but it doesn't like all it takes, you know, it's, it's so I would, I would just, you know, the exciting, the, I guess the, the scary part is, is that it's, um, is that I think that it also like the social side of things makes it can be difficult on people with you know, bullying and stuff like that. Exactly. I, not not yeah. a huge fan of that, of like, you know, seeing people that are putting out genuine content and saying, you know, how they feel and things that are going on and people are, you know, oh, you're stupid and you're dumb mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that because everybody has their story and, you know, we don't always know what people are dealing with in their life. And mm-hmm. it's important to be understanding and, and be more supportive. But, you know, we've seen, you know, in the last, not just the last four years, but we've just seen a, a little bit of a disconnect in, in the country. And so I'd love to see that, that hopefully social media can bring people back together and, and you know, and, and celebrate what we have here in America and, and also be more positive. I've just, I'm a very, very positive person. Um, and I just like to, you know, I'm more about the positive vibes and, you know, totally. and good things happening. So yep. that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping more, more good, good things in 2021. Yeah, likewise. I love that. What's something new that you're experimenting with? Is there any, you know, cool new stuff that you're excited about or testing out at the moment? Yeah, um, there really isn't anything too, cr- I mean, we're doing a lot of interesting things with content, like mm-hmm. just trying to see what we can do to, to for distribution of content and uh, creating like more content, like uh, content, like repurposing of content Mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting we're doing some interesting seo stuff where it's kind of um uh, there's a deeper evaluation into into backlinks and and the quality of backlinks and the kind of content you create and and you know what is going to resonate well with google which is you know constant battle we're always fighting google for you know try to get to the number one spot for keywords and stuff so um yeah we've got some interesting stuff going on there i've been doing my podcast like i said for about about a year and a half two years now so that's going well we're that's awesome just, so tell people just, more about your podcast how'd you get into that yeah so that was i mean we worked on it for about a year's time um and we finally launched and we're we just cracked number 32 uh for a business Amazing. podcast yeah cool. through apple yeah so excited about that um it's been a long time coming but it's been it's fun I, you know my thing is i enjoy interviewing and talking with people obviously so we're talking here today um, and I just like to have a good time and meet new people. And, mm-hmm. you know, now we've been able to monetize it and be able to make some money from it. So that's been great. But that wasn't my original goal. My original goal was just to talk with cool people and, you yeah. know, and have some fun doing it. So that's always been my goal. Right on. Very cool. What's coming next? If you had to make three predictions for the digital space, what would they be? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be more, I mean, there's obviously going to be more apps, you know, more, more people that are going to be creating apps. Um, I know that they've, I know it's interesting. I was just reading something about a lot of people where there's like, a lot less credit card use. I mean, maybe not credit card use, but what they're doing is a lot of the the pay later 
apps are mm. coming out. So I think that's kind of Klarna interesting. Klarna just had a huge valuation. Yep. Huge. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the thing is like, hey, you can pay later, which is kind of credit card situation, but it's not. So I think that was interesting. And then I, I think in the, in the influencer space, there's going to be a lot more um, like projects where people are going to like agencies that are actually going to have you know, 10, 20 actual influencers, kind of like a, a, a music, like, you know, let's say, you know, Interscope has their artists. There'll be agencies that have these certain influencers seen over the last few years, but we'll see more of that where people are coming in and, and they're, you know, they're hoarding the influencers and saying, hey, we're all in the nature space. These are the 25 biggest influencers and we cover, you know, YouTube and blogging and, you know, TikTok and all this kind of stuff. And they'll have more, you know, like you'll actually have an agent and stuff like that, which is what's as the last few years has been happening anyways. Um, I think that's going to be big. And then I think, um, I think, you know, obviously podcasts have been really huge. Um, I think we kind of jumped in. I feel like we jumped in a little late, even though it was two years ago. Um, and, you know, I think podcasts are people going to continue, especially during, you know, lockdowns and COVID and stuff, people were listening to, you know, sitting in their chairs a lot more and listening to podcasts and audio based uh, mediums. So I think there's, that's going to be big. I think it's going to continue. I mean, we saw this with Joe Rogan going to Spotify and Spotify paying them a hundred trillion dollars or whatever they gave him, right? And then Michelle Obama. The and it's still thing. doing well. Spotify is saying, hey, this was a great deal for us. We're happy with it's, Joe Rogan and the show's killing it. So they're loving it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the more drama that they can get and all the issues they have, whatever that is, it just brings more people over there and, yep. you know, that tie, ties them into their platform. So um, I think, you know, once again, content creation, there's just going to be different ways that people are creating content. I think it's going to be an exciting 2021 and beyond. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of, speaking of the audio space, like Clubhouse, and now you've got Twitter spaces and you know, rumors of a Facebook competitor. What is your, your thought on, on that space? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's always more platforms to create more content. You know, I mean, I, I jumped on Clubhouse. I haven't really like officially started using it. Um, I had some friends reach out to me and say, hey, listen, we got some people on here that are doing big things and they're not like thought leaders. So you should jump on here. And so I, I did, and I've got to jump on and figure out, you know, what exactly that's going to entail and how that's going to fit in my, my content creation mix. Cause you know, there's always more platforms. Like I could be on 50 different platforms and, you know, you could be a Gary V and, you know, have a guy following you around all day long and do 80 <laughs> different videos from it. Like, that's just not really me, you know, like, yeah, I, like yeah. I'm, I, I need a little more time to myself. I mean, I, For sure. back in the day, you know, it's like, I just a little bit of division between um, family life and business, but um, I think, you know, once again, Clubhouse would be something that I'll probably be jumping on. So if you guys are on Clubhouse, come join me. I think I've got like one follower over there or something like that. I'm, I'm nice. crushing it, obviously. You know, maybe I'll do some here we'll, soon. We'll do a session together. That sounds like ah, fun. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, make it happen. Yeah, I love it. Cool. So Shane, you've got the consulting, right? Your family stuff, you're, uh, you know, teaching at UCLA. You're, you are blogging constantly for your site and then also writing for various other publications. That's all awesome. What are your unusual talents? Is there anything that you're secretly world-class at? Man, you know what's funny? So probably historically, last probably seven, eight years, I wouldn't say this was it, but in the last few years, um, really building processes um, because I have multiple companies, um, companies we didn't even talk about that I that I run, um, and it's really building processes and building strong teams around that. So that's been something that's you know a little bit of a secret power. And you know, all of my teams remote, like all my teams full time, but they're remote all over the world. Nice. So that's the other interesting thing is it's all like driven through Slack. So I don't you know, I used to have an office here in Sacramento. I don't have an office here anymore just because of COVID and everything. Um, but I think that um, also, I, I'm trying to think of a, a, like a, another, like a superpower or something yeah. like that. People Even would know it's totally about, random, nothing related to, to business at all. I've got a little bit of a, I've got a little bit of a shoe habit. Like they're called, okay. um, they're called on like, Oh, in are I think they're from uh, Swiss. I think they are. 
anyways, I've got like, I can't even show you. I've got probably 20 or 30 pairs of them. Like my wife's like, I thinks I've lost my mind. And I'm not saying yeah. that I haven't lost my mind, <laughs> but I've like every color, every this, every that. And I was never a big shoe guy. Like I had some shoes, you know, and, but I've just like went nuts. They're like the most comfortable shoes. And I'm not, they're not paying me to say this and they're not a sponsor by any means. They probably should be at this point, but Here we go. Um, and I, you know, that and, and watches, I've got a little bit of a, bit of a, a watch affliction, which happened in the last few years. I won't go into, into how many watches I have. It's hobby. So it's yeah, watch dangerous. Out. <laughs> it's dangerous. Yeah. I, I should see a counselor, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Right on. Shane, if, if you were starting, you know, a new business in the digital media space today, obviously you've got, you know, so many businesses going on, as you mentioned, but for all the other entrepreneurs out there listening to the podcast, thinking about the white space, where do you see opportunity? What new business would you start today if you were, you know, starting from scratch? Yeah, you know, I would try to think if I was starting from scratch, I guess it really depends on how much money you need to make. You know, I, I was showing my son this, this was a few years ago, and how you can go on to Fiverr and, you know, find people that are providing services there and be the middleman. Um, and easy enough stuff like giving it probably shouldn't give you the example of my sons because he's, he's doing it. But, um, you know, like there's let's say give you an example, like a press release, like somebody writes a press release for $50. And then if you go and you're in college and you sell the press releases for $150 or something like that, like there's ways to there's so many ways to make money, like little things or and this is really easy. This I'm thinking stuff because I'm thinking of my, my son who's you know, 21 years old, you know, go on Craigslist like I on the weekends, I'll go on Craigslist and buy stuff and resell it the next day. Like, and I'm not going to tell you what, because then I'll probably get all kinds of competition in Sacramento, but the, you know, like just little things like that. Like I enjoy the hustle of, of, you know, the idea of re buying something and then reselling it mm -hmm. um, and making a little money. And it's, I don't make like, you know, 10 grand a weekend, but you know, I make a little money here and there and it's just kind of, kind of keep me busy instead of yeah. you know, working 24 hours a day. It's like, oh, let me break out and do a few things. So nice. um, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of interesting. Very cool. Shane, where can people find out more about you and more about all the consulting and other incredible things that you do? Yeah, you can actually go to shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Um, I've got a newsletter there. I've got my podcast there. Um, I've got my blog. That's what creates, I mean, probably get about 90% of my traffic comes to my blog. You can kind of see all the different things we've got going on there. And then you can reach out to me on any of the outlets. Um, Instagram, it's just Shane Barker. Uh, Twitter is Shane underscore Barker. Um, and then, you know, LinkedIn is Shane Barker. And you can reach out to me anytime. Love it. Shane, thank you so much. You know, I, I highly recommend for everyone listening to go check out your content. That's how I found you, right? I'm a big fan of the blog. We connected on LinkedIn. So I love the magic of the internet bringing us together. And so cool to sure. hear about your story. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey and your perspective with us today. Hey, James, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.